B C A B C A B C A B C Welcome everyone to Uppy in the Stash. I'm your host Uppy, and uh, I'll just cut right to the chase. I'll make it sound as weird as possible. I'm committing a little bit of a podcasting adultery tonight. The Stash is on vacation, and I have brought in my buddy Steve Castle from Idiotville. Steve, how are you doing on your lovely early Sunday morning? Is it Sunday already? Oh, geez, twelve twenty-two, twelve twenty-two a.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'm here in uh, lovely Erie, Pennsylvania. Uh, the mistake on the lakes, uh, sister city, I guess. Um, so those uh, Cleveland Browns fan that I know that uh, exist out there in the world. Um, but to, yeah, I'm super excited to be here, and I'm super excited to talk about what we're talking about today. Well, and I appreciate uh, your time. And uh, before we get started, you know it's a tradition of the show because you're one of our like three fans. Um, what are you drinking? Tell tell our audience and tell yourself what you're drinking. <laughs> Let me read what I'm drinking. So uh, Erie, Pennsylvania is kind of like that little nipple up at the top of Pennsylvania that goes and actually goes into Lake Erie. Uh, so we're between Ohio and New York, um, where that stretch. Um, so I can go to both borders in about uh, 40 minutes. Uh, but uh, right across the border is uh, Lakewood, New York. It's about 40 minutes from where I live. and. Uh, a fantastic uh, microbrew, and I think it's actually a macrobrew these days. They, they produce so much. Uh, Southern Tier Brewing Company, and I have the Lakeshore Fog, which is a hazy and juicy IPA from them. Nice. Sounds delicious. Um, <clears throat> I am drinking, well, I, I make a short story long. Uh, so out here in California, because um, I know where you live, you have to get your cars inspected. Out here we have a smog test. And uh, currently my 2300 Accord is having issues with the smog. Not because of the emissions part of it, but because there are certain systems that have to be ready to go um, to run the test. And basically for me to be able to get my car smogged, it has to complete a drive cycle. And to do that, you have to do these weird things like drive the car 55 miles an hour for so many minutes and go 20. And so I was driving around the back roads today with my little my little daughter just trying to get this thing done because <laughs> my registration was due on the 18th. And um, it's paid, but I don't get my stickers until the damn smog is done. And <laughs> I gave up. I gave up after a while trying to find open space to do what's necessary to get this done. So I found myself at... Uh, Dust Bowl Brewing again today and um, for you listeners of the show that's not a surprise um, they have a new one um, I've mentioned Lateral 5 before which is a New England style hazy IPA and today um, I'm drinking one that's Lateral 6 um, so it's also some other juicy I think you and I are in the same boat it's like some juicy hazy IPA and it's of New England style I'm not sure what that's supposed to mean but <laughs> I can tell you I'm a, quite the uh, beer expert these days. Please enlighten me. Uh, so it's just a more uh, floral style, and what they do is they sometimes add lactose to them. Mm. Uh, so that's what gives it that hazy color, and that's it gives it a more um, 
floral bite, floral uh, aroma. And oh, okay. It's it's kind of it started in in New England in Boston, and then it kind of spread out, and so it's kind of those people that like the super hoppy, but now like it's moving away from the bitter and getting the more floral kind of mm-hmm. flavors. Nice. You know, um, I like it. I never thought I would. Oh, well, any hazies I thought I was not going to like, but they've grown on me. They're actually kind of my favorites now. And, uh, no, they're super delicious. Like, because if you're, I, I have a problem smelling because back in the day I broke my orbit and mm. uh, had some surgeries and such. Um, so I really like, it's one of, you know, the, the, the more floral IPAs are the things that I can smell and come through and I, I can taste better. So it's like, like if I drink a normal beer, it's just, it almost tastes like water to me. Like I know it's beer. Uh, but it's oh, don't, don't worry. It tastes like water to most of us. Too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If wow. you're drinking those nice cold uh, silver bullets out of those Yeti coolers, yeah, they taste like water too. We were uh, speaking of Yeti coolers. I, I got to throw this out there. Some genius somewhere started making badge badges that you could just like, uh-huh. put on any cooler and it just says shitty. It's S I T I. So it's shitty coolers. <laughs> So, and they make shirts and all kinds of stuff, but I'm like, man, that's just brilliant. Do you do that before or after you put bullet holes through them? Then it isn't a cooler anymore, is it? If it has holes in it? I don't know. I just know rednecks everywhere got their panties in a wad and started shooting their Yeti products. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm very over the boycotting anytime somebody does something I don't agree with. Right. <laughs> you have an opinion that's not the same as mine. I'm boycotting. It's like, all right, dude. Right. That's that's so 2018. We can get over it now. Right. Like, I listen. I I go to Chick Fil A. I don't believe their politics are should have anything to do with their fantastic chicken, but I'm kind of over that. And you know, I'll, I'll go hold a sign after they have a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that they're good enough to make it worth it. Like, I don't get what the hype is all about. Like, I know it's probably blasphemy, but I don't know. Like, we've only ever went there once, so maybe that's part of it. But is their focus on customer service is pretty cool. Like, they're overly nice to you, like, to the point where it's, like, almost nauseating. Um, Oh, okay. And then, like, their chicken sandwich is actually, like, chicken breast. It's not, like, some sort of mashed up, ground up paste mm-hmm. so if it's it's just a slightly higher quality fast food i will say this i enjoy their crinkle cut fries or not crinkle waffle cut fries those are pretty cool i don't why why do things that are cut in different shapes taste better i don't know is it just in our head or is it actually like oh well, just, there's more air the oil can permeate it better blah blah, blah. is there like there has to be because they're food scientists. Somebody can probably tell us this. We need to track that person down. You're in California. That's where all of those people exist. <laughs> well, if all right, I'll give you my word, Mr. Steve Castle. If I do find that person or stash and we get them on, we will make sure you are part of the show. Oh, please. I want to talk to that person. <laughs> and I, I will, speaking of which, I will tell you off air um, the next guest that we have. Uh, coming up in the future. I, I don't want to ruin it tonight. But <laughs> so real quick, before we get started on our um, exciting uh, voyage we're going to go on tonight, um, I do have one charge I'm going to ask of you. Yes, sir. I've asked of it of Brent and Liberty, but the more people I have working on this, I think the better it will be. So as, as has been announced on your show, I will, me, uh, Mrs. Eppy and Little Eppy, 
will be around for one weekend in November. And I figured the best way to actually get to meet you guys and uh, uh, Dill Spears um, is I asked Brent Liberty, hey, let's find a place to have dinner that has a good beer selection. Mm-hmm. So if there's a good place in the area to have dinner that has also an excellent beer selection, that way we can, you know, drink and <laughs> still have fun but not party, you know, because it is a family trip for me. It's not a dude trip, you know. Um, yeah. By all means, suggest something. Um, if it, and it, it, and if it's not a national chain, the better. Oh well, yeah, no, we don't we don't do those things. Um, although, like Permani Brothers, uh, their their happy hour special is half off beers. So and mm-hmm. they have, I want to say they have like twenty taps. So oh, sweet. So it's not just icy light. No, no, it's legit stuff, and it's actually right yes. in the mall too, which is super <clears throat> convenient. Oh, perfect. But, because that's right down the street from uh, Brent's house, so that's perfect. Because that's actually where we're staying. I actually live closer to the mall than he does. I could walk there. Oh, really? Okay. So, um, no, that that's cool. And then uh, the breweries are amazing. You know, we have Voodoo, which is under the Boston store, and Lavery, which we go to every uh, Wednesday after we record the podcast. So there's tons of. Well, I'm hoping, I hope maybe afterwards uh, people will want to brave uh, Clementine over at Brent's house and maybe just want to get a few of those nice beers and just come over and just chill and have a good Saturday evening. I'm down. Whatever you guys want. Perfect. All right. So uh, should we tell everyone why we're here this evening? I think we're here because we're big Trump supporters. Yes. Yes. And uh, what we've learned is uh, we'll just put in Trump's word. Uh, Wednesday night was very boring. Um, it was boring, but not for the Trump and Republican reason. It was boring because um, while they say that, candidates they selected were at random it very much seemed like they outside of elizabeth warren <laughs> they saved all the good stuff for uh the second night but i almost kind of think that they screwed elizabeth warren because she wasn't up against anyone of any import right um that is one good way like and i also thought that it benefited her because even though she didn't have that direct competition like what what happened with uh biden and harris um Due to the weakness of the other candidates, it made Warren look that much more confident and poised. 100%. Not that she wasn't already. Like, I was very impressed with her, but I feel as though because no one else was as poised and smart and confident as she was, it really showed. No, like, I've always been a huge fan of her since she was in charge of the uh, Consumer Protection Bureau. Mm-hmm. So. And... um. I mean, Mrs. Uppy is a huge fan. Like, that's, I think, Warren is Mrs. Uppy's go-to, like, ride or die um, till the end <laughs> uh, candidate. And I don't blame her. Um, it's slowly growing on me. Um, at first, I was more of the, I was more of in the um, the Biden camp just because I really felt it was going to take an old, white, centrist male to do this thing. But now I'm starting to believe that's probably not the case. I think a progressive can win. But uh, Warren's awesome, and I'm not sure, um, to get slightly off topic, I'm not sure what percentage of the voting base that my dad represents, but if you're of like mind to my dad, despite the fact that you claim to be independent but lean conservative, uh, she appeals to my dad. My dad loves her. And well, yeah, I think she's, she, she's definitely a policy wonk. Um, so mm-hmm. if you're into numbers and details and the whys of things, that's where mm-hmm. she excels. 
And that's what you saw when she was in charge of the Consumer Protection Bureau, because mm-hmm. she could make super complex financial um, decisions and, it, that people make, something that they understood and why she could explain and articulate in a simple manner why corporations were screwing them over and, and what, what the, mm-hmm. why the government should step in to help regulate and or uh, help consumers with those sorts of problems. So I, I think she's, she learned a lot doing that and then becoming a senator. Like she's more articulate. She's very to the point. And she, I, she's a pretty commanding speaker, even, even mm-hmm. though she kind of goes a little wonkish with her policy details. <laughs> so so uh, I'm going to ask you a question. Maybe you can help me out with this. Um, so a lot of polling numbers come out between the top Democrats and Trump and the top Democrats all – I believe, poll higher than Trump. But the one thing I'm not sure of, and I'll immediately say, I've said this uh, to you and uh, your idiot veil counterparts in text, and I'll say it in front of our audience now, is um, I had trouble uh, the first night of the debates because I found myself so enamored with uh, complete sentences and coherent thoughts that they all sounded <laughs> that they all sounded like the best presidential candidate I've ever heard. And I, I'm not even like Teddy Brogan who has committed his life to reading or hearing everything Trump says. Um, but why uh, do you know why um, mayor de Blasio is so unliked? Cause what he had to say sounded pretty good. I'll be honest, but do you have any idea why he's not that popular? Um, yeah, I've read a little bit about him. I'm not um, wholly into him, but he just like didn't they, did they do the soda tax there? There's just there was just things that I think he pushed that were like kind of dictating to mm-hmm. the 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 um, people that live in New York, mm-hmm. and I don't know. New Yorkers seem to take pride in being badasses. I don't. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but there, there's a certain viewpoint they have on themselves. So that's one thing. Um, and I just think being mayor of New York, there's always this unsaid and said accusation of some sort of corruption. Oh, sure. So, right. <laughs> I, that's a, I don't think I, I don't think in our lifetime that we're going to see a mayor of uh, New York transition to um, president. I just it's. it's there's a lot of baggage with that. Right. Just thank God I wasn't Rudy Giuliani. Um, well, look how insane <laughs> he's turned out to be. So I know, right? And I used, Back in the day, I used to actually, like, I'm like, this dude's got his shit together, blah, blah, blah. And then we all thought that, especially post 9-11, we all thought that, you know? And he, I think if there was a, ever a mayor that could have pulled it off, it was him. Mm-hmm. And then he just became an old senile man. Who has zero zero scruples? (laughs) The truth isn't true. (laughs) Right. Truth isn't true. What the fuck are you talking about, man? No. I'm so happy he got fired. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) So outside of Warren, was there? I mean, I would think if I if you were to break it down into categories, I think out of the first night of the debates, Warren was the only true presidential candidate, and what I mean by that is she's probably the only one who's going to make it till the end. Um. So uh, do you feel the same way or do you have other thoughts? Was there someone else that stood out to you that you think could maybe surprise us and have a long haul? I hate saying horrible things. And I, cause here's my thought. I just want to give you my thought altogether. 
everybody wants people half of these people to go away now mm -hmm. i get it there's this perception that we need to coalesce behind someone as quickly as possible so they can you know match trump's fundraising and all those kind of things but at the same time mm -hmm. i'm like i'm like what is the hurry like we have 20 potentially about 20 viable candidates and a couple whack jobs um out there mm -hmm. vying for attention and putting ideas out and they're they're all the problem that I see is like most of them are all pretty similar in their idea. Right. But some of them have a hyper focus on, you know, maybe environmentalism or maybe healthcare or whatever that is. But like, I don't understand why we think it hurts because if I remember correctly, like when Trump ran, there was what, 17 people. There was a fuck ton too. Yeah, yeah. They didn't and that that's shit. what I've had to try to remind people. There was a ton of Republicans in 2016 too. Well, they didn't get that dialed in until what, June? And yeah. Trump finally till the end. eked out ahead and then just took off. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. Cause I mean, it was easy for them all to look good this once. Let's see how they're looking six months from now. Let's see how they like come to the Iowa caucuses. Cause basically I think the Iowa caucuses is going to what. What's going to be the thing? Because that's the true kickoff to all of this is the Iowa caucuses. And not all of them are going to survive that. Probably not. And we'll let Iowa handle that one. So I agree with you. There's no harm in having 20 people. Um, did it kind of suck not having them get as much time as we would like to speak? Yeah, it did. But um, I, well, I think there was a problem with that, too. And that was that was shown the second night in, in that I think that the directors of of the debate were kind of limiting people's time and they, they were, so some people, they let them talk over for like a minute or two. Right. Some people they're like, Nope, sorry. Nope, nope, nope. Like, and Chuck Todd was a dick <laughs> to the next one. So you, you could tell who they wanted to hear from, from a directorial vision. That was disappointing. Yeah. There were, there was the haves and the haves nots pretty much. Right. And it came through, um, pretty clearly but i mean did anyone else night one excite you at least because I, I can tell you um so while i said uh warren, warren is obviously the one that's going to make it, one of the ones that'll make it to the very end um i did like what castro had to say um i was mildly impressed with uh mayor de blasio and the former or current i'm not sure which it is the governor of a uh, washington state um starts with an i um, while I didn't, yeah, I didn't like his delivery. I didn't like how he always said, I did this, I did this. Um, I do like that he has a track record of accomplishments, which I think is something that generally, um, benefits governors as it is, cause they, they have accomplishments they can appoint to. So, um, outside candidates, yeah, uh, Washington, yeah, I know you just said it, the Washington governor de Blasio and Castro were people I would like seeing around for a while just to see how they grow and, um, move forward well I, I would say in in prior years i've been a fan of booker but mm -hmm. man like i don't know what happened to him but he just i, I hate saying things like this but he seemed disingenuous mm -hmm. um or at least it's the way he comes across like i, I don't know if he's just too polished like, i'm not sure what it is it, it might be i think so like his his delivery was just off to me like the words weren't bad it's just i don't know the de the delivering the tone i i see what you're saying like no one else had some people die in their neighborhood last month right uh, well maybe not well, but elizabeth uh someone probably lives in a big city where there's poop all over the place that's pretty bad too you know right <laughs> well then my the other one i was mildly enthusiastic about was uh o'rourke but mm -hmm. that 
his whole campaign, they, they cocked this whole thing up. So after he had all that, uh, that momentum after coming so close to beating Ted Cruz, mm-hmm. but they sat there for months and months and months and months and months before announcing his bid. And the media by that time had completely moved on from him. And mm-hmm. I think most of the nation did because it's like, he was so, seemed so amazing at the time. And then all of a sudden he, you know, they dicked around and like, oh, I'm going to run finally. And it's like, come on, man. He, he should have just ran from it from day one. Right. Yeah. He, he would have had the full steam ahead. Absolutely. He would have been um, so ahead of all of the candidates and they would have been chasing him. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know who was advising him or if he was just scared to pull the trigger right away. I know he didn't. He, t- he talked to Obama, if I remember correctly. Um, hmm. So maybe he's like, oh, shoot, you know, come on, <laughs> you're going to do it, do it. Folks will like you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I imagine it's got to be really disheartening to lose to Ted Cruz. I imagine that hurt because all we ever hear is how much, how hated Ted Cruz is and to not beat him had to have been a kick to the ego, you know? Yeah, but being from Texas, like, the Republicans did a pretty good hatchet job on him, you know, just his uh, little punk rock background and all that. <laughs> like, you know, they, right. he, they probably scared the shit out of enough conservatives just with that stuff. You know, and like, and I know everybody was like, you know, the media was like, oh, well, they're just pointing out how cool he was. But, you know, there's a large portion of their their base is just going to be like, that guy's the devil. so like while it was hackneyed and bullshit to people from the left it probably worked on enough people on the right that uh, made it worthwhile just enough yeah absolutely so but yeah he was flat as hell like a super disappointment like in that whole his whole little uh trick with the answering in spanish right (laughs) we've all seen that meme with cory booker just giving him like really dude that look yeah, oh yeah it's like, <laughs> just like just roll roll a, a a a perfect time visual eye roll like come on motherfucker and even even uh um elizabeth warren she was kind of giving him <laughs> like, the side eye it's like come on I, I think it was that uh, trevor no on uh, on a uh what's his show god damn it daily show the daily show yeah i think he even like that night like pointed that out <laughs> the eye roll that cory bucker gave him Oh, it was it was great. It was a great piece of political theater, and that that alone probably is putting a nail in uh, Mr. O'Rourke's ambitions. So, <laughs> I, I, I kind of looked at like the night one people as people who are like jockeying outside of Elizabeth Warren, of course, were people who were jockeying for maybe other appointments for things when the eventual winner does win, you know, but. We'll just keep we'll just keep Booker in the Senate, right? He's a mm-hmm. senator. Yeah, yeah. Let's keep him there. Um, there's just some some people that are not they're not worth pulling out of what they're doing. Right. Exactly. That's a hard hard thing to admit, but I, God, it got to suck to be part of the DNC and try to strategize all this shit <laughs> and not screw it up this time. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, so night two. So. Um, what are your thoughts on night two? Who are the winners of night two that you um, get you most most excited about? I live tweeted that night because it was way more interesting. No, you should have told me. I would actually went on Twitter. Yeah, I, I try to stay on there. Um, it's hard because it, you know sometimes you feel like you're pissing in the wind and 
<laughs> with Twitter. Um, but it's, you know, it was definitely a more lively night. And I think because of all the coverage from the first night, how like it was flat and not interesting. And I'm not going to lie, the first night I made it about halfway through and I'm like, I'm done with this shit. Right. <laughs> like they just, other than Warren, like there was nobody that like grabbed me, like I need to listen to this person. Right. And that, I hate being like that. That's just not a good thing. Um, yeah. The, well, like I said, I feel victim to complete sentences and coherent thoughts. So I was grabbed by it all. But like once we got into night two and I was watching night two, it made me look back on night one with a different perspective. I was like, oh, yeah. It seemed good at the time, but it's not, you know, it's not good now. Um, no, no, it was it was downright bad. That's the worst part of it. And that's that's why, yes, Warren got a ton of attention and she, she did herself a lot of good. But I would have loved to see her with the more articulate, more passionate crowd. Oh. She, she should have been there with, you know, they, they could have swapped her out for that author lady who. <laughs> no, she won the night in my mind because. <laughs> she, was, she was crazy don't get me wrong like the her new zealand answer um was a fucking dumpster fire but like she she was articulate and she she could make points but she was one of those people who was getting that bullshit uh coverage like the second her, her 30 her minute or two minutes was up they're like boom they like they would just pivot and they would just cut her off like they, they were kind of jerks to her um well, this is what I thought of her first and foremost. Um, and that's her name's Marianne Williamson. It, her, her, yeah, Marianne Williamson. Her voice sounded too much like Blanche from the Golden Girls. So I thought I was listening to the Golden Girls for a while. But on top of that, um, basically what she had to say was I, I felt like she was verbalizing th- rants I see on Facebook. And what she had to say wasn't wrong. They just weren't really on point in the, in the right direction. But she wasn't saying stuff that's wrong. It's like, true, yes, Trump did win by not having plans. He won by just saying, make America great again. She's right. That is what happened. But tell us your plan. Give us a plan. Say something. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. Like she, I, she, I don't know. She she was just super interesting in that she was no, she's definitely not a politician. Um, right. She, she <laughs> right. was definitely out of her depth a little bit. Um, but it's, it, I don't know. Like, is it so wrong that we have someone that might not be qualified because not that I would ever run or be batshit, but like, I don't think that there's anything wrong with a, a common, a common man or common woman trying to run. I, I absolutely don't. And to be honest with you, going into the 2016 election, I would have sat there and told you, and I, and I still to a degree believe this. I was all for a non-politician politician. I was for a, businessman or businesswoman or something running to be president. My thing was I knew already Donald Trump wasn't that person. And if you get the wrong person, then it sets back the whole idea a very long time. So there was and is a space for that. But because of how Trump has done, there's probably no way the American people are going to elect someone of that ilk for a while, you know? No, unless, unless it's the exact opposite like, you know, super left-wing person who shoots from the hip. I think there's mm-hmm. an opportunity in that space because we're obviously, I think, if he doesn't win just based on the economy, mm-hmm. I think that we're going to have this big pendulum swing way to the left. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're in this era, unfortunately, where we had the big pen- pendulum swing with 
Obama, but it wasn't necessarily Obama, but it was the things that happened during during Obama's uh, right presidency. You know, the the legalizing of gay marriage was a big one. Mm-hmm. Those are the things that that's what Trump harnessed on making America great again was code word for hey we're letting all of these left wings and these gay people dictate how your country is to you and you know and they they hide behind a little bit of that guise of religiosity but it's mostly (laughs) like gay people make me uncomfortable and I don't want to have that conversation with my children about why two men can marry like that that I can't tell you how many people have come up to me. I've had employees when I was a manager. The one guy, like, when it just happened, he was like, well, what am I supposed to tell your children? And I just looked at him like, this is the last time we're going to talk about this. But what you're going to tell your children is, is like, some people believe differently than we do. And some people love <laughs> each other differently than we do. This is what we believe. But I don't want to ever hear this in the, the workplace again. Right. So <laughs> that was a fun conversation. <laughs> Sounds like it. I'm actually kind of jealous. Uh, so let's move on to something I think, well, something I know that we both agree on is um, you and I both uh, were huge Bernie fans back in 2016. Definitely. I was not a Bernie bro, but I was definitely a Bernie fan. And you were obviously more involved than I was. You actually helped out his campaign. You actually contributed. Um, but it seems as though I don't want him being the front runner again. And it's not because I don't love him anymore. And it's not because I don't think he doesn't have a purpose, but I think he had a job to do. And I think he did it without becoming president. And that's pushing the party rightfully to the left. And, um, and so I think that was his purpose in life. And I think he's accomplished it. And I, I just don't see him doing well, despite what the numbers say, I just don't see him doing well up against Trump. So, Here's my viewpoint on it. I think he screwed up exceptionally. After the election, he immediately said, well, you know, he immediately became an independent again. It was the first thing he did. So, he, you know, he definitely pushed the, the Democratic Party to the left and made him do a little soul searching. But he immediately became a, an independent. I know he was in part, he, he was put in charge of the Democratic uh, outreach committee. Um, he was the chair of that. Uh, but becoming an independent and immediately going quiet in the age of Trump was the absolute wrong thing he 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 could do if he wanted to be president this time around. Um, does it hurt him at all long term? Do you think that he basically said? I mean, I don't think if if you know what he said, but don't know the context, it could look bad. Where he basically said yes the minimal class will pay more in taxes for Medicare for all. Will that hurt him? Do you think a hundred percent? So like that was the sound bite. He didn't need to give his competitors mm-hmm. and he did. Um, he could have spun it a different way and not led with the, I'm going to raise middle-class taxes. Um, <laughs> so that's a horrible mistake because um, for a long time, I was firmly in the middle class. And in the last three years, um, I, I went through a, a corporate buyout. And, of course, um, you know, they start pinching wages and stuff. So I still make a pretty reasonable uh, living for where I live. Uh, but, like, when you're telling me, you know, 
Trump told us the the middle class we were going to get a tax cut with this recent tax cut, and we did not. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know that was a lie. So he was on Mori Povich, and the, it's definitely definitely <laughs> a lie that he gave me a tax cut. Um, yeah, it, it was it was not by much, but it it was a negative for me as well. But I mean, it, yeah, it wasn't by a large margin. But I'm I wasn't better off because of it either, and I don't make a lot of money. I'll just be honest about that. <laughs> no, and on top of that, as they did what they did, they're bringing in less uh, federal revenue. They're pinching states, mm-hmm. right? So what happens is, you know, yeah, they might tax you a little less, but what happens is states raise their taxes to fill that uh, federal financial void. Uh, so that's what's happening in Pennsylvania. Uh, so th- they've uh, added like extra fees and they've upped all the, f- the fees, you know, for uh, registering your car and all those kind of things. Um, so you're, you're, you're not only pinching the states, you're also pinching local, local municipalities because of that. So mm-hmm. it, it's, we give this huge tax cut to the rich and then w- w- the rest of us get nickeled and dimed with these added fees and added taxes on a local uh, municipality level. And that's, that's the hardest part. So you're going to tell me that you're, I, I get that universal health healthcare is probably going to be a cheaper solution for me, mm-hmm. but that's where you, that's where you stop talking. Right. Can I, can I, um, I'm going to go off topic and ask you a question because, yeah. uh, you know, we live in very completely different states here. And, you know, a lot of what you said, I was really keen in on because, you know, like uh, out here in California, we're, we're kind of used to being nickel and dimed. Um, that's what we do. Um, but I understand that the economics of the state of Pennsylvania and the general um, ideology of the state is vastly different than out here. Um so I imagine there's a lot of common folk who are on those uh, low wage, minimum wage jobs, because I imagine your minimum wage is somewhere in the seven or eight dollar an hour range. Maybe am I close? It's still seven. What's minimum wage there? It's uh, the federal minimum. Yep, seventy-five, twenty-five. Um, do those folks who are affected by these things that were done and retroactively because of the Trump tax us, do they know that it's basically Trump who's doing it to him because I know that and I know you're probably more surrounded by conservatives than liberals even in Erie so do they do the people like there on the Erie News Now comment section do they know this these things uh so generally speaking in the city of Erie they we're 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 definitely more liberal um I live in the outskirts in the suburbs um so a lot of that we still kind of lean liberal but uh there can be some times where it goes to the right, um, but the farther out we get, then we get into more rural stuff, and that's where what, that things were changed drastically. So I would say on a, a on a city of Erie level, I think most people are kind of aware of not really mm-hmm. getting a tax cut, and definitely aware of the added taxes and fees um, that that are occurring, um, like the. Like in Pennsylvania, we have one of the highest gas tax in the whole nation, and they actually want to raise it again. I know. So I hate a, visiting you guys for that reason. Right? I don't get a break from tax price. I don't get a gas from gas price. A break from gas prices when I go visit. Oh, dude! If I go over to Ohio, Ohio is like seventy cents lower. Um, oh, geez. 
So like it, it's a big deal, you know, especially if you drive a lot and and like. What can I add? Go ahead. Quick question: How much is a gallon of gas right now? Uh, I want to say three bucks or eighty cents. Three bucks. Wow. So you're not that much better, Mrs. Eppy. Mrs. Eppy got gas today, and she's pretty lucky to find it. I think most places around here are about three fifty, but she found gas for like three thirty-two today or something like that. It, it recently dropped a bunch. I think the average person where you live probably makes seven to ten bucks an hour, <laughs> and they're having to pay that much for gas. Like that's like almost California high. Oh, dude! Like it was for. So I have a, a car that requires ninety-three octane, and that was well over. It was almost four bucks there for a while. Jeez. Um, yeah, so I, it's definitely not worth driving that one very often anymore. Um, but, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, but I, I made two poor choices. I have a Subaru WRX and then a, uh, a Dodge Challenger is my other car. So Sounds like you're ready to move to Oregon. <laughs> is is gas-free there? Because that would be helpful. No, but they all drive Subarus. Uh, well, the funny thing you say that because um, where it came from is a Seattle car. So it was, hmm. my best friend lives out there and works for Microsoft, and he. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah, he graduated to a Tesla, so I got the cast off uh, for a good deal. Nice. <laughs> nice. So. I wouldn't mind getting my hands on one of them Teslas. Um, so bring it back to national level. Um, I do have to say night two, and I'll just be forthright with everyone right here right now. I was already on the Kamala Harris train. Um, just something about her, just her command. Maybe it's her um, uh, attorney general background, her prosecutor background, um, especially the way she uh, was grilling Brett Kavanaugh when he's being um, appointed to the Supreme Court. Oh, it's definitely a prosecutor thing right there. Her, her performance night two did nothing to change my opinion of her. And in fact, it empowered my uh, my liking of her candidacy because um, I'll just be honest and it's a pipe dream no matter what but I, I really feel as though if any of well first and foremost any person who's a Democrat who's the final nominee has my vote um, I, it doesn't matter it could be it could be that loopy author lady who's like on essential oils I would vote for her but my thought is if there was any one candidate who would get elected and not let Donald Trump off the hook for what he has done, it is Harris. She would still sit there and say, no, you done fucked up. You're getting prosecuted, you know? Well, the, the impressive thing about her was she has, she definitely has a command presence. So she was asked mm -hmm. these questions and she didn't immediately go into a canned speech every time. Right. She would say mm -hmm. something off the cuff and then she would, and then she would move into a, some of her, prepared stuff but like oh man she th the whole stage you could see all the candidates like craning to watch her when she spoke and it was just that much different than the people around her and not but there was some strong other strong candidates that spoke really well like boot edge edge was uh he was pretty solid mayor pete i was impressed with mayor pete and i was also impressed with uh gildebrand gildebrand Oh, I, um, I, I can't, I can't, <laughs> you can't, <laughs> I'm going to one, one, I'm going to stop at Al Franken after what she did that, that political theater was just so hurtful to the democratic party. Um, and two, th this is going to sound somewhat unpopular to left-leaning people. She looks way too similar to, um, Hillary Clinton. She looks like a young Hillary Clinton. Like Hillary 
like her short hair <laughs> blonde hair short bob like the, what she's got going on like she just looks like her like it, it was very straight is she also from new york pardon she also from new york she is oh, well there you go they're yeah. not from new york they're <laughs> no. reverse carpetbaggers no. coming from oklahoma <laughs> <laughs> or arkansas i'm sorry <laughs> yeah i mean she's not someone i would for like if let's see, let's, let's try to take the total twenty and the, let's say if I had to say a top three who I could see making it all the way until the very end, like June of next year. Um, I think Harris is in that conversation. I think Elizabeth Warren is in that conversation. And while it's not my choice, I I, I think Biden survives. Oh, he- but I'd rather I'd rather see Mayor Pete there. But no, we're we're definitely. We're going to go into early, early summer next year, uh, so the June-ish. So of, of this night, if the people that are going to hang on for a minute, we definitely Bernie Sanders. He's still somewhat mm-hmm. of a front runner. Um, you're going to see Kamala Harris. She got a ton of press, and it, 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 people are going to look at her way more closely. The right are. I saw she. And I saw she apparently uh, fundraised $2 million in the 24 hours after her appearance on TV, too. Yeah, those are just rich people hedging their bets, <laughs> unfortunately. Keep it coming, rich people, please. Right. Uh, and then <laughs> Mayor Pete, still solid. Biden, still Pete, solid. And you know who I really liked? And he's a really shit speaker. And I think this is what's going to kill him. But I, I liked Michael Bennett. Um he was very articulate. That half bald guy, right? On the end. Uh, younger guy? No. Uh, with the brown brown hair. Okay. Crazy eyebrows? Yeah. He had the weird eyebrows. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Mike. So, well, Eric Swalwell was the the gentleman that all he talked about was global warming. So he, he kind of tanked himself because he was a, a one trick pony in my opinion there. So, but like Michael Bennett, he's not going anywhere, but like, God, his ideas were good. He was super articulate, like, but he it, just not a very good and effective speaker. Like here, love or hate Trump. And the fact Trump sounds like a moron on uh, like so many levels, but he commands attention in a way that gets stupid people to buy into what he's doing. And that's what you need. Magic. He is a mouthpiece of that generation. I don't even think it's that generation. Like, I, I it's a it's, difficult thing know. with him, but it, it is. It, like he just knows people <laughs> and he knows to repeat and be repetitive. And you know, like he just pounds the same message over and over again. And he does those little stupid things with his hands. But like it's just it's effective, and you know the the idea people if they can't figure out how to be bigger than themselves they're gonna disappear. So Michael mm-hmm. Bennett has to go away, unfortunately. Like stay on as long as he can, mm-hmm. you know, push his message. And like you said, uh, I, I like that idea of uh, kind of campaigning to be a an advisor or a vice president. <laughs> well, I mean, someone like uh, well, take when, the reason why I said that, like take uh, Yang for instance. He's not going to make it, but he fits someplace, I think. His ideas are worthwhile in other means, just probably not presidency. Like, he could be a secretary of something. I, I think with his um, knowledge of being an entrepreneur and building companies, his belief in the universal basic income, stuff, stuff like that has a spot somewhere. I just don't 
think as president of the United States. So I have a question for you. So obviously we have our, so, so what, what is our top, we have probably top five here, right? So we, sure. I, I could probably go six if I really wanted so we to. We have Biden, we have Buttigieg, we have Harris. We have Sanders. Um, and, and I only put Biden in there because I, he's not my choice. Like, if it was, if it was Uppy's personal top five, Biden would not be in it. But I, I just know, given, you know, his popularity and uh, everything else, I, I know he's going to be there. He's going to make it till the end, unless he really, really royally screws up some. I think he screwed up too much because he was just like, I was, I was Obama's secondhand man was his. It's core message of the whole night. <laughs> and it's like, I get that. And I did this. I did that. I got $400 million for that. But uh, so is it top five of my personal liking or top five of who there. I think is going to be there? Um, that was definitely oh, second top night? five there. The big hitters. Um, well, I think definitely sec- um, if I had to rank it based on how the second night went, I think Harris was number one. Um, she just killed it. Um I know I'm probably alone in this. I'd probably put number two. I'd, I'd probably put Sanders. He's still strong. He's still a strong candidate. But like you said, that soundbite of saying I'm going to raise taxes on the middle class is not the soundbite he needed to give. But he's still he, he's still going to be in there in the end. He's too popular not to. And his ideas still aren't bad. It's just they're kind of old hat at this point. Um, three, I would put Mayor Pete. I think he held his own. Even when they held him to the fire with that. Like when the other candidates asked them about the the uh, you know the, the the issue with the uh, mm-hmm. maybe racial profiling and the, the violence against uh, mm-hmm. black people by police and and well he's from Fort Wayne right or South Bend yes uh, South Bend um, the, the mayor of Notre Dame yeah <laughs> right so like but he answered it he's like you know like I, I I did the best I could and you know maybe it's not mm-hmm. not the best but like. He, he had the empathy, and and I, I try to look at it also from, uh, you know, obviously if you had a police department, you probably are dealing with the union as well. So I looked at it from that perspective. Um, maybe he couldn't, because someone suggested, uh, and rightfully so, well, if that's the case, you should have the body cam fire the chief. Right. Um, <laughs> oh, Swalwell, sorry. Uh, Mrs. Uppy was uh, let, informing me that it was Swalwell that put him to the gun on that one. No pun intended. No, um, I, I took a picture of it. And put- but but I, I looked at it from the union perspective. Well, maybe it's not that cut and dry. Maybe you just can't because maybe it's a union thing. And I'm a union guy. You just can't fire us. You know, there has you – know, No. But like I said, he, I mean, he at least opened up to say, you know, I couldn't get it done and I wish yep. I could have. Um, he, I saw empathy in his eyes. It's not like he was proud of the situation. So – um, I, I I really like him. I'm sorry. I really like him. He has a he has a legitimate of. fire in his eyes, like a passion. It's not fake. Mm-hmm. Like you can see those people. Like you know, they're 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 very practiced and they're very coached, but they're not passionate. There's a passion and a fire mm-hmm. from him, and I hate to say it, and a lot of people have already done it, but they already are comparing him to Obama. And, and and he speaks mm-hmm. like Obama. He has a very similar cadence and and, and an ownership of the the language that that just makes you pay attention to him. Right. Um, it doesn't hurt. He's a Rhodes Scholar too. He's a very bright individual. Um, I won't go as far as singing his praises as, as Brent Liberty did. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I couldn't even I couldn't even tell the audience which episode of Idiotville that was, but it was it was hilarious. I, it got a good laugh out of me. But if you want to dig around the catalog of Idiotville, it was within the last two months. Yeah, um, that was a, that was a minute ago. Yeah, listen, but all, all of your shows were. Um, I can see him making it till the end because, like you said, he he just has that poise. He has that presence about him. Um, he comes across more as a the every day kind of guy. Um, well, and that isn't that what we need because I'm so sick of Democrats or the 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 coastal elites and they condescend and talk down. And I I really don't think that. I think what it is is like mm-hmm. we're not hillbillies. We're not we're we're not inarticulate right. and taking pride in that like there's a time and a place to act that way and to speak that way um but like just because you're articulate doesn't mean you hate people that are not and that's kind of the, right. where we're at it's like you know the the people that feel threatened by intelligence and in college degrees and all these other things think that it's a hateful thing but it's not like no. we can but why would it be because because you also look at like at the republican side of things where um Everyone cheered when Donald Trump is at one of his rallies, and he says, "Sorry, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna appoint poor people to these positions. I want winners." Right. And these were probably people with meager means who applaud him. Right? Hey, <laughs> you know, all of you are billionaires here supporting you know, someone who can't. I'm not gonna give you these jobs. I want winners. Right? Like, <laughs> like that's that's a that's a, like you said this, but he sold that message and they believe it. It's just a weird place yeah. to be because it's like. And maybe it's just my background. I was always taught to like covet more knowledge and more education where mm-hmm. there's a certain portion of our society that shuns it and takes pride in, in ignorance. Right. <laughs> hey, that's how some of us get by every day. Come well, on. Sometimes, whatever makes you feel good, right? Like I get it. Like, like sometimes being smart is a, definitely a detriment. I know. Um, it was like, you know, cause, uh, so I'm not as oh, smart no. as you guys. You're so I, I still want some while. I, well, I, I still, I, oh, this is why I say that because, you know, I know all you guys. I mean, when I say you guys, I mean, you know, the Idiotville gang, you know, you, Brent Liberty, Dill Spears, um, Teddy Brogan, even. You all are smart enough and confident in your intelligence that you can see the f- stupid shit on Facebook and leave it alone. <laughs> and I'm not smart. I can't. I can't. Like, even though I know better, I, I can't leave it alone so I, I still i'll still see something stupid and have to correct somebody and just end up in this like two day long flight fight that gets nowhere hey I, I still fall for it i was just unfriended by one of my uh, uh redneck cousins um because he put up a, a meme about uh, obama and it had a, like half of them were full out lies so then i i started fact checking them and and mm. sending it to him half a day half a day yeah. later and then at the end, you know, you still didn't get your payoff. You didn't get the, you're right, Steve. Castle. No, I got a payoff. I was wrong. Because they never do that either. Yeah, goodbye. He did? He unfriended me. And it, it's, it sucks because <laughs> I don't have a lot, a lot of people that I can use as a touchstone anymore for what the other side side thinks. So <laughs> you gotta... I'm, I'm running out of that. <laughs> and I don't want to be in a bubble. I, I think that's bad. I think that's part of why the... U.S. sucks right now. I know that everyone's all stuck in their echo 100%. chambers of like-mindedness. Um, that's amazing. I don't think I've ever gotten unfollowed or blocked or unfriended or anything. But Mrs. Apiote is because when I engage in these things, I'm too nice. You know, sometimes a good fuck you is deserved. 
<laughs> and I don't do that. Like, but that's amazing. You were right, and then you got unfriended for just being the deliverer of facts. Ah, well, his uh, dad during the election, uh, 2016 election, we got into a thing because uh, his he posted an exceptionally it's my uncle uh, exceptionally racist um, photo of Obama, like he was at a basketball game, and like something must have happened. They took a picture at the right time. He's making a weird face, and someone photoshopped a banana in there. Um, yeah, obviously. So, so just so wrong for so many reasons. And I just couldn't help myself. And I just started firing <laughs> rockets. And so I, he unfriended me first. So it, we, we have a family tradition of, of this happening too. Right. <laughs> so it's hard, man. It's hard. You, you've heard Pennsylvania uh, being called Pennsylvania before. So we, you know, not that there's um, anything wrong with Kentucky, but no, they're, well, I mean, Mitch McConnell, but that's a different podcast for a different day um so first time i took mrs so mrs eppy has been pennsylvania three times i um the first time i took first time she went i took her back in summer of 2015 and so i forget where we i think we flew into pittsburgh we drove up we stayed at uh brent brent liberty's place and uh spent a few days up there the fourth of july then we went down and spent a couple nights in downtown pittsburgh you know that you know i was trying to show mrs uppy all the cool things you know and uh we went to cleveland and I, I know i just had to show you all the cool things and i'm not saying <laughs> we went to ohio all the but, cool uh, stuff. and then we went to cleveland <laughs> <laughs> well, i'm a browns fan and i love the rock and roll hall of fame and everything so um so we we didn't just go straight from pittsburgh to cleveland we drove through i i purposely made it to where we like clipped the border of uh, West Virginia, just so Mrs. Abby can say she's been to West Virginia um, and never sound proud about it. But you could tell, like, I'm not sure what highway we were on because it connected like Pittsburgh with uh, East Liverpool, Ohio. But the closer we got to the West Virginia border, you could tell how close we were to West Virginia because everything just started looking that, you know, that way. It started looking more and more white trash and redneck. Hey, hey, hey no, no white trash. It's it's whiskey tango, <laughs> whiskey tango, not white trash. Whiskey. Tango. <laughs> so you could tell like we were getting close to West Virginia because all of a sudden like everything just started looking different. Wow. <laughs> but and here's the thing that all of my family's from Catanning, uh, which is uh, down near Butler um, in Pennsylvania, and and it's not. I, it's a hard thing because it's so cheap to live down there. And if you find a good job, you can live really well. But the biggest problem is finding those those good jobs are so few and far between. And it's very much a problem there. Right. Like, you know, the West, the rural West Virginia kind of areas, even rural Ohio. So that's the big problem. And, mm -hmm. you know, like I go down there and like you talk to them and they're never dicks to your face, right? Like they're they're very sweet people, and like you know, I've been down to like numerous uh, events down there. We're always at a fire hall or something where the community's behind it and all that kind of stuff, which is cool. And that that's the small America that's awesome, but it's that 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 mm -hmm. boiling hatred of different people and hatred of uh, liberals or libtards, as they would like to call us. Um, oh, like right. it's to the point where like you can't just disagree like you have different politics the right has moved into like right. they hate liberals 
and we're the enemy of the, the, the state and all of these things. So that's, that's what you're dealing with. And it's like they, they keep having all these studies and more and more urban places are more accepting and allow differences in people, differences in religions mm-hmm. and all these kind of stuff. And the rural communities don't. I think, and it's, I hate to say that Trump is right in this, but the Make America Great thought is, is like they want that, that community-centric, uh, homogenized atmosphere that they live in. They want that. And mm-hmm. it's generally around churches of some capacity, mm-hmm. and it's generally the same color people. So it's not that they necessarily are, are hateful people. But to them, that's normal. So, you know, just mm-hmm. put yourself in that situation. Like, say you're starting a new job and you don't know anyone. That's kind of how they feel about mm-hmm. America. Like, with different colored people, different races, different religions, different languages. All those things make them super uncomfortable. It's like your first day of work where you didn't know anyone. Like, shit, I don't want to fuck this up. Well, they don't want the other people to come in and fuck up that. And that's the big problem. How do you get... Right. I'm fine with this bubble that we have. I'm okay with that, but I'm not okay with the thought that that bubble could change because what if it gets worse or I don't like it, you know? But you mentioned the people who are like sweet tea to your face, but, you know, behind your back, you don't know. Like, and the first thing that popped in my head was uh, last time we were out there, which was, I think my daughter was a year old. So 2017, we were out there. And um, so I, whether you probably don't know, I, I do still have family. Um, out in Crawford County, out down in Meadville. And uh, we had like kind of little uh, hastily put together like family reunion type thing where family got together at my cousin's house. And um, I'll be a little bit honest, I, I, I kind of felt being the youngest member of my family, um, my immediate family, I felt a little out of place because I, I felt like me because I'm the youngest. Um, I don't know. Because like I know my family loves me to my face, but I kind of feel like the ones who are on Facebook probably hate me on the computer. <laughs> Because <laughs> I'm right. one of them <laughs> who loves them gays getting married, and you know the minorities coming across yep. the border and picking our fruit for us. You know, um, you know what I mean. Like they they're all sweet to my face, no. and don't get me wrong. I I mean we we love them and they love us, but I really feel like on the computer they probably don't like me because I embody all the things that they just don't understand because they don't know it. And you know I get where they're from because I've been there. I grew up in Sigertown. You know, it's a blip on the map, but I live out yeah, here. No, I live it, in a city of 200,000 people. Is, is Life is different, and it's different for a reason, and it's okay for well, what is the purpose each other. fighting? I don't know. Like, in a big city, you can't you can't carve out. Like, it's super hard to carve out these, these enclaves that are so impenetrable, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you your houses are closest, closer together, right. like any city, mm-hmm. like, so when you go down to those areas, like if you choose to not have a neighbor, that's a simple solution because most of the houses outside of the small, like little town are super spread out and you can have acres around you mm-hmm. if you want. Like that's the difference. But you know, most of us in the city, you know, I'm still in the suburbs and I still probably have, I don't know, 50, 75 people live on my mm-hmm. street, you know, but when you're in those situations, you have, you might have, 
10 people total live on your road or two or four, you know what I mean? Like, so you can, you can be in a bubble. You, you don't, you don't have to interact with people. Right. And I think when you start separating, um, you start separating, you know, basically the rural life and the city life is, you know, that's where our biggest disparities and, uh, the second amendment come into place because, oh, yeah. you know, like I said, I, I grew up in Sarahtown, so guns there were more of a, a way of life and to some degree, because, you know, a lot of the kids hunted, you know, so it, it was actually a means of putting food on the table for the family. So it was important. It was a necessity. But yeah, you got now, like so there's no way of life to... need for a gun other than, you know, how small is my penis? Or, and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> do I need to kill people with this thing? You know, and if that's the case. I need like a bazooka. Right. <laughs> I got a tank in my back here. Saying, <laughs> right. It's so small. <laughs> but, you know, you know, I mean, because out here, the only need to have one is for sport, honestly. And you know, I, have, I have a good friend who basically votes only on the means of who's going to best protect Second Amendment. And he has his guns, and he's a responsible gun owner, and I have nothing, no problems with that whatsoever, especially out here in California, because, you know, our our means to get a gun are pretty strict, some of the strictest uh, gun laws in this country. So I know if someone here has a gun, they, they didn't just get it, you know. For the most part, but I and I had to tell him after you know Donald Trump won the election. It's like you can't tell me you need an AK forty seven to protect your house. It's not necessary, <laughs> you know. It's not practical, right? <laughs> so, but if you're doing that, my my kids are across the hall. I start shooting at someone. A- any kind of uh, AR type weapon is going to fire through the wall mm-hmm. and potentially hurt them. Like if you're really protecting yourself in your home, you're better off with a shotgun or a, a 22, right. something that uh, is going to stay on target. But I want to wheel it back. And I think it's fantastic. We talked about the, what we're talking about in difference between urban and rural. I don't think any of the candidates spoke to people that are currently voting or supporting Miss for uh, Mr. Trump and, or I don't think that they, they spoke to them on an economic level that's going to pierce that bubble. No, no, um, you're right. There, The best any of them could have done, and I don't think anyone does say this, is to sit there and say, is I know coal, coal industry is still a huge one. Would it have killed someone? I think maybe Hillary mentioned this four years ago. Like I said, they say, hey, you're in coal. That's not coming back. But what we can do is reappropriate funds to train you in clean energy jobs. Yeah, you know, someone that sits there and say you're hurting right now, or speak to the farmers. Like, what can you do to help the farmers right now? Try to gain back the votes that Trump is potentially going to lose because of his tariff war. Like, that's what I would like to see one of them do next time around. Is you know, speak to the farmers, tell them how are you going to help them. Besides, just give them money. You know, how are you going to bring their jobs and their customers? No, yeah, that's an interesting point. In the to to, to tie it to the rest of the those communities. Um, they did focus on those clean energy jobs and those are going to be high growth and high demand and all those kind of things. But I, I think the Democrats are still not like you, like you said, speaking directly to those areas at all. Like, a, a, like you said, why, why wouldn't you say, why are we giving you, cutting you a check? I want you to earn, earn your living. I want you to be proud of what you do and how it helps America and how it helps your family and blah, blah, blah. Right. And they didn't get that opportunity. No, because one thing, because one of the reasons why I originally thought that we needed a centrist 
to win is because the centrist is probably going to best appeal to those disenfranchised moderates in our country whose votes Trump can lose. But I mean, if you're right of center, I don't believe you're just going to vote for a Democrat just because you're pissed off at Trump. You, you can't just go out and vote. If that was the case, they would have done that, and we yeah. he wouldn't have been president. You, right? You're just not going to go out and vote for Bernie or Elizabeth Warren just because. If your idea, because most people aren't going to care enough to know all the facts, they're not. They're, everyone doesn't have time to research all the candidates, so they're going to sit there and think, "Well, if my options are Donald Trump or the left version of Donald Trump," in their mind, they're probably going to take a second to realize that. It hasn't been, quote unquote, that bad under Trump. I might as well vote for him again. And they'll do so reluctantly. But I think if the Democratic candidates can speak to those people in some way and kind of give them an idea of what they can do to help them better themselves, then they'll get those votes. But they're not going to just give them just because they're mad at Trump. There has to be a reason to get Well, hey, I want to tie it into what you do. So you have a lot of union uh-huh. experience. What? So was are the people that you're in your union are they interested in politics you know because a lot of times i find more union people are definitely more politically engaged yeah and what did they think about democrat in general and what did they if they did favor democrats what did they think about depends if you're less the debate? If you're less involved like like for the longest time i just you know like our union like most unions will They'll do the work for you, and they'll just you know they'll send you something come election time saying, "Hey, this is who we've endorsed." They don't sit there and say, "Vote for these people," but they say, "These are the people who I think have your best interest at heart." Um, for the longest time, I was just that guy who sat there and said, "Oh, okay," you know, I, I voted with my paycheck, and I'm I have no qualms about it. Um, <clears throat> but uh, so what you might may or may not know is where I live is an extremely conservative area. So a lot of my local union people are Republican, and sometimes I have trouble with recruitment because of that, because <clears throat> they see the union as being liberal and help out the bad people, not the good people, and I just want to work hard and do a good job, you know? <laughs> so yeah. um, so you, you get kind of the extreme of both ends. You get the people who are extremely, they're, they're in, you know, especially with the youth in my union, you saw a lot of Bernie bros. A lot of people helped out with Bernie's campaign, and um, so the ones who are Democrat are very progressive. The ones who are Republican are very conservative. But they're, but don't get me wrong; it's not like my union is only made of Democratic voters. There's a ton of Republicans who understand that the union is a union, and our purpose isn't about politics per se. So. No, they're about your your own personal. I have a lot of coworkers come election time. I get a lot of joy in hearing it. They're said that well, I'm a Republican. I'm going to go waste my vote today, you know, because we're talking about the national scene. Our 55 electoral votes always go to the Democrat, so so they all they all believe that they they all know that they're wasting their vote, but they do it anyways because it's their civic duty. So, well, you know, maybe. Maybe some point you become one of the uh, states that uh, allocates uh, by percentage. You know, there, there are those states that are still out there. They, they allocate their electoral votes by that. I, I'm kind of a big fan of the winner-take-all laws that have been coming out. Right. Oh, yeah. So, like, if so, if you know, if you win, you win the state, you win all of them. Mm. Um, yeah. Well, and I can sit there and I, I might. I'm hoping Mrs. Eppie's in the same room now. Maybe I can trigger her into saying something on air for us. Um, <laughs> as a Californian, 
I what I would really love to sit there and see is just one person, one vote, popular vote. There's no reason why I'm getting a thumbs up at least. Um, there's no reason why my vote specifically as a Californian should mean less than the voter who's voting in Wisconsin or Alaska. There's no reason why their vote should carry more weight than mine. Well, I, you know, you and I both know that there's a, a, a legacy system that wasn't necessarily designed for modern, modern no. America. No, I, I understand and what the facts are. I'm just, I'm going to continue being butthurt the rest of my life. You know, and it might be because I value my opinion more than those of the, in those states, but, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I've driven through, wow. I'm sorry, people of Wyoming who might be listening. I, I've driven through your state. There's nothing of the majority of tremendous value. Here, go ahead. The majority of Americans will soon live in like nine states and middle America will make the decisions for the majority of Americans that live in those nine states. And that's not right. And that's why I agree with one person, one vote, because we're going to get ruled by the redneck idiots that can't see out of their ass. Nice. See, I did just part of a job that she spoke. Thank you, honey. <laughs> <laughs> she always cleaned up my messes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so uh, do we ever fit, get cool. through our top five? I think we made it to three, and I think we got sidetracked once we hit me or Pete. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think Sandra. Yeah, so it's, it's a difficult thing. Like, I think Warren's definitely in the top five if, if we're talking all of them. Um, here, so I want to know what Mrs. Uppy oh, thinks. Mrs. Uppy, what? your opinion's being requested. What's that? All right, go, um, go for it. I'll, I'll, she can't hear you, but I'll relay it to her. There's a large majority or a large percentage of males that just will flat, flat out not vote for a woman. Mm -hmm. Is this the, the, the year that we could overcome that? So use, all right. So is this year that we will overcome the issue with, men who just won't vote for women was that correct yeah i don't know if we'll ever yes. get to overcome that can i follow up will we ever get to the point where women will finally support women i don't think we'll ever get to that point too not 100 percent ever because the society that we live in it's a patriarchal society hmm. and women have the same misogynistic ideas that men do and women can't get past that to even support other women. Can I um, can I propose the Bill Maher idea? What? Which I know you're going to say no to now. <laughs> Oprah? I'm stab you. Don't say Will it. women get behind Oprah? Don't say no, it. I wouldn't. Oh, fucking <laughs> it. I mean, Oprah. You, you couldn't pay, pay me a <laughs> So even Steve Castle wouldn't vote for her. No. <laughs> We need change. It's not the change we need. And here's why. That's how I felt about Trump. We need a change, but not him. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. No, we, we did. The yeah, we the be. very lowest common denominator. <laughs> no, well, you know what? He wasn't. He was awesome mm -hmm. for super white people that only super care about white, white people. people. <laughs> Them too, but. Because if you're they that dude in Charlottesville who's run, running down the people in the alley, he just got life in prison. So the whole Trump Trump thing didn't work out too well for him. No, and he drove a challenger. <laughs> He's solely challengers for everybody. I'm sorry, Steve Castle. <laughs> yeah. I had to stop uh, Jake News from putting up a meme with about uh, 
George Washington and voting day because he was driving in the Challenger and he was saying something about running down redcoats in a, a Dodge. And Do you I'm not like, realize I'm like, we no. work together? <laughs> I'm like, you got to change. Well, that's why we workshop everything because Jake just is horribly so, uh, unaware sometimes. Mrs. Opie, to give you one chance to stick up for somebody we haven't talked to, do you want to say anything, any kind words about Swalswell, why you like him? What about him besides being from California did you like? Well, being from California is a huge plus because that means more liberal. <laughs> she's she's getting closer to the mic, so it'll pick up better. I like that he's younger. You know, he's fresh, fresh ideas. He has, he didn't get a whole lot of speaking time, so I don't know all of his positions, but what he did say, I agree with what he said. There wasn't really anything that he said that I didn't like. So for me, I think he's a good candidate. And so, you know, I, I, I love Bernie. I love where Bernie has gotten the, the lineup for, you know, candidates. I mean, nobody was this progressive four years ago, um, but it's time for the old people to step aside and, you know, let us have a voice because we are a big generation of people. You know, and to back you up. So, um, so I'm not sure if it's been mentioned before. So Stash and I, um, we met through the union work and he, he was my chairperson. He was like my leader in this union work that we did. And it was all built around young workers. And, and I bring this up because you, Mrs. Zeppi, you mentioned, you know, young people need to take the torch, yeah. <laughs> so to speak. Like, Pass the torch. <laughs> Well, I, so I watched the one one skill um, Stash has. Stash has many skills, but one skill he has that I don't that I was really impressed with is he can grab the microphone in, in a room full of 100 people and just energize them. And I watched as he took the microphone in front of 100 young people, 35 and under. Um, and his speech was, you know, basically people in walkers don't make change. The youth always spark change. The youth always leads these change. Like when the um, students of LA Unified wanted calculus class. You know, it wasn't the teachers who got calculus added to the curriculum. It was the students revolting against the establishment who got it. You know, so it's always, it is always the youth. And, and I did like his takedown of Biden. That, that made me laugh. <laughs> like, hey, 30 years ago, Biden said, pass the torch. You should pass the torch. And Biden has that look on his face. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> But do I, I mean, I, I do like, you know, I like what he had to say, but I just don't see him getting us there, unfortunately, which will be sad for him. But I don't see him making it far, but I think he should get further than he will. Well, I was happy to have California next to his name. I was proud that he was one of us. For sure. But for a large amount of Americans, they would not vote for him just for the simple fact that he's from California, just like they won't vote for Kamala Harris. Oh, right. You know, because California is supposedly is some homogenous, liberal, you know. Free-for-all. Free-for-all over <laughs> here. And it really isn't because most of these people that think this have never been to California and they don't know what it's like here. Right. And I will say, um, to get off topic, uh, the reason why California matters, the reason why I didn't think Kamala could have been a good candidate before all this started was because um, – so we, we mentioned being – me being dumb enough to engage with people on Facebook um, to go into conservative daily and start a roar. Uh, before I was smart enough to lock down my privacy settings on Facebook, when I would say something, people would always, the first response to me was always, oh, I knew you were from California before I even looked. 
And I'm like, what is that supposed to mean? Well, I, after usually <laughs> I want to say what that's supposed to mean. Usually I say why is because I speak in complete sentences and I use punctuation properly. Like, what's your point here? But th- that's what made me believe anyone from California didn't have a chance. Like, but sadly, I would you know looking long term, sadly, if Donald Trump were to win again, um, I, I know I'm the only one who's going to say this, but four years from now, if that's the situation, I would love to actually see Gavin Newsom run. No. <laughs> No. Steve Castle said, "Oh yes, <laughs> oh I love that guy. He's smart, he's yes. Newsom is too centrist. No, he, he's. I didn't even want him for governor. He's mm. so smart. He's too corporate centrist. Too centrist. Mm-hmm. I wanted someone more liberal than Newsom. That's fine with me. <laughs> Call me a libtard. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, damn libtard. Um, no, I, I, I've, I've always loved him every time he's on. Uh, so one good thing about being from California and being in a big union, and I think that I think this is the real reason why Mrs. Heppy doesn't like him. Is uh, so I, I, um, because I'm super involved in my union. I go to yearly conference, and um, conference is basically in a nutshell, uh, each chapter of the union, you know, based on how big the chapter is, sends a person or a lot of people to this conference and you vote on things that are going to affect um, the union as a whole throughout the next year and beyond. And we have a large budget. We get keynote speakers. Like my very first uh, conference I went to, um, the keynote speaker was Bubba Paris, who was a lineman for Joe Montana. And he's a super engaging guy. His twin daughters played college at basketball at Oklahoma and won a national championship, I think. And so basically, but a few times we've had uh, Gavin Newsom come speak. And last year, Newsom was supposed to come. And uh, Mrs. Mrs. Uppy was up there in Sacramento with me that night. And she she and uh, little Uppy walked down to the hotel or from the hotel to the convention center to go listen to Gavin Newsom speak. And he no-showed on us. And I don't think she has forgiven him since. It's more than that. It's more than that. She said, "I don't. I, I don't know." The jury. I I will admit that he 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 is very slick mm-hmm. in a very corporate way. He's he. Let's be honest. He's really attractive, and that's a good and a bad thing. Um. So it, it's just one of those things. Like I I get it. He seems mm-hmm. a little too packaged. Um. And that. And I know that a lot of people are trying to give him a lot of shit out there for, uh, you know, the, the homelessness in San Francisco and, 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 and all of the things that are related to the housing crisis with, you know, the price, price of housing out there and all that. Like, so he's, he's getting a lot of flack and, 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 and he's kind of made some mistakes recently. So I could see how he's not immediately supported no. by everyone. But given what I do, so, given the fact that he supports what I do, I, I don't know. I love him. <laughs> <laughs> and he's he's Andy's, easy on the eyes. He's, he's younger. No. Yep. He's easy. So I think that's a, a benefit. Right. Like, that, that, it just got very awkward. The two dudes in the I room. I think that's a benefit. <laughs> so Mrs. Uppy doesn't think he's good looking. You didn't hear her just say, Now I know she's just lying. <laughs> Smarmy. Smarmy is her word for him. Well, smarmy, yes, but like compared to Joe, Joe Biden or uh, Hickenlooper, or Hickenlooper, he had a good showing, right? (laughs) (laughs) How do I remember who Hickenlooper is? 
Because he's got a ridiculous name, and like he was just not a good no. speaker. He's one of those people who ran just because, I think, honestly. And his, and his right. teeth were too yellow. That's right. the other problem. So, let's, I just uh, stared at them. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, switching on the other end, uh, I, I do believe, uh, and this, this will be brief, um, I think William Weld was on Bill Maher recently, and he said he's going to run as a Republican. Can someone actually challenge the incumbent? Yes, sir. Is that a thing? Because I don't recall it ever happening in our lifetimes. Has someone actually challenging incumbent in that party? You can. He's definitely enough. <laughs> right. to I don't think William Well can be hateful enough to overtake that. No, it, well, I, 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 that's a good point because I think that's where Biden failed the most is when he was being attacked. He wasn't not like he defended himself, but he definitely right. was not forceful enough. And I didn't think he was the guy that would be stand up well to. Trump right, and, and that, that's the per, that's one of the you know I'm glad you mentioned that because that's one of the perspectives I watched with was I tried to envision Trump mixed in with all of them, but I was also a little sad too because um, anyone with an honest average brain four years ago would have realized how terrible Trump did in the presidential debates with Hillary. Hillary hands down won those debates. Um, all Trump did was interrupt and say wrong liar you know um <laughs> right but there wasn't too many there wasn't enough personalities in that room i who i think one-on-one would have done what was needed with trump in that situation other than maybe harris i think harris uh mayor pete's mm-hmm. proven that he can take those situations and, and fire some rockets um like when he called him <laughs> alfred e newman he's like who the hell's that <laughs> Like that was the best turnaround because he obviously <laughs> knew who he was. Like, but you know, it's like, come on, like, if you're gonna hit me with old man jokes, I'm just gonna hit you right. with what? What are you talking about, dude? <laughs> so, I think he's equipped to do it. Warren, obviously, I think she's, after all the Pocahontas bullshit, she's definitely had some good one-liners and good zingers coming back. Do you think he'll bring that back? Because I haven't heard Pocahontas in a long time. Do you think he'll bring that one back if she, the longer it goes? I think. Trump tends to focus on the person who he immediately thinks is the biggest threat. So she's definitely not the biggest threat right now. So like, you know, he spent what the last three weeks talking about Biden. Mm -hmm. True. True. So, so um, so, one final major question I do have, how large do you think Trump's base actually is? I think it's, it's pretty large. Like if you think of it from the aspect of 62 million people voted for him, in 2016, how many people of the 62 million do you think he has left? Truthfully, I think he's probably still rocking about 60. Mm-hmm. Yes, just because of where I'm from. Um, Erie County is the first time we voted for a Republican presidential mm-hmm. candidate since Reagan. Um, and we went to him. Um, I think there's more groundswell of, of Democrats that probably mm-hmm. sat at home and didn't vote that are going to vote this mm-hmm. time around. That's going to make it more dicey. But the people that live in the outliers, the rural communities, they're generally speaking, their opinion has not changed. They're dug in. They they truly think they're winning. They when they say winning, you know, like they're always hitting you. It's like, oh, you just you know, you're a libtard. You're sick of losing. Doesn't is there anything more annoying so, than in this day and age still hearing Hillary lost the election? Get over it. I was over a long time ago. I was not over the fact that oh, you're yeah. still fucking stupid. Like, like, <laughs> I don't even think, I don't think it's stupidity. I don't have a problem that they voted for him. I have a problem that he won, potentially cheated, 
And I have a problem with them not legitimizing mm-hmm. a certain point of view. So, like, if liberalism is a legit political strategy, political belief, mm-hmm. and conservatism, same thing. Um, maybe not Trumpism. There's, there's definitely a, a bastardization of uh, a lot of things. But, like, those are – I understand a lot of the reasons why people mm-hmm. vote conservative and I respect that you can you can not like somebody supporting something but you you can still respect their opinion and just I've told people before I'm like I respect your opinion mm-hmm. that's awesome I think you're wrong this is why I think you're wrong but they we're we're in this age where the, the people that are Trump supporters they truly believe that liberalism is a cancer on the united states and i've had numerous conservative people trumpers like say things like as soon as we round up all the the liberals and get rid of them or or the then Mm. that then america will be great again and and these aren't like these aren't whack jobs these aren't the the people that you can dismiss these are kind of normal day-to-day people and it was like, it's weird. I don't, I don't know what the right word is it, but it's like a, they're kind of calling for a, a liberal genocide. Like if we just got rid of you liberals and everything would be awesome. But it's like, whoa, dude. We are. Like, we're both Americans. I just believe something you don't. Like I don't understand why it's like we're going to kill you. <laughs> I apologize. I don't want you to be poor. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> But their their middle class and our middle class, right. it's a, a different viewpoint. It's not a number. I think that's I think that's where everything's all locked. Like you would think it's just like all right, if you make X salary, you're middle class and you feel mm-hmm. pretty good, and you can you know you can go to dinner twice a week if you want to, and this that and the other thing. But it's not that. It's like it's a pure. It's a mental health it's thing. A, like you know, you know, and I I listen uh, so to speak. Like so. Uh, um, Adam Conover has a new podcast called Factually that I listen to. And if you're not listening to it, you should check it out, If you, especially if you're a big fan of his show and Adam Runs Everything. He had on an author who wrote about homelessness and stuff like that. And it opened my eyes to things that I never thought about being poor is how much of a mental disadvantage you are by being poor. Just having to worry about where you're going to live <laughs> and have the necessities that some of us take for granted. And those people tend to not be the type of people who have the time or the ability to go vote when it's time to vote because they're too worried about getting by, you know? So I, I would think also not being middle class, you know, the, the benefit of being middle class is just having that, not having that mental drain on your body. Yep. I think we lost Steve Kessel. His video feed froze. Hello. 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 Okay. All right. Yeah. So, um, so what was the question? I, I heard most of what you said, and then it, my internet cut out. I think being middle class, basically, is you have the advantage of not having those mental stressors in your life. Um, did you hear all that? That's definitely the catch-22 of being a, uh, a lower-income person. Is like you want to do things to better yourself, and, and, and most of us that are uh, a middle income tend to think that voting is one of those things that would improve your situation. Especially voting for someone that's um, expressly supporting your 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 self-interest, uh, but at the same time, like there's also mm-hmm. that mentality. It's like 
uh, one of my friends put up a meme the other day, and it was a picture of public housing, and it said, you know, it had first picture, it was the same picture each time, and then it says, uh, public housing, you know, public mm-hmm. housing under uh, Bush, public housing under Obama, public housing under Trump, and it was the same picture. So from that mindset, mm-hmm. like, and, and I know, like, obviously the, the buildings aren't going to change and too much in, the, in that time frame, but, like, the, the thought behind it is that it doesn't matter who's in charge, so, like, you're not going to be inclined to vote if that's the way you see life. So that's, that's, right. that's the funny part. And that's the unfortunate thing for Democrats because the coalition they're building tends to be the poor people, the more in need people. So they're the ones that need to vote mm-hmm. the most to help build that coalition and maybe push more progressive uh, agendas. But they don't because they're like, well, fuck it. It doesn't matter either way. <laughs> so, but I don't know. Well, we'll probably never get it figured out. Even when we do, it won't do us any good anyways. <laughs> people are still going to be people, you know? Wow. In 2050, if you, you look at the new projections, like the world could end. The, or at least the... Uh, <sighs> be drastically changed from how so you're saying I might be in the ocean by then <laughs> oh, we all I'm talking about I think I'll see seawater rise <laughs> those, those of us who pay attention in school that's not how the the uh, tectonic plates you, you you would just move more n- north or south I hey, don't know which way well, you're sliding well, I mean here in the valley we're kind of okay with it because if that yeah. happens we're, we're we are now we, we went from being in the bowl to being on the coast I, I do believe I'm I'm on the eastern side of the San Andreas Fault, so I'm a whole lot closer to the Pacific Ocean if that happens. Then we can truly be the coastal. Then we can be truly the coastal elites. Yep, we're no longer the farm nice. farm people. <laughs> so farm people that's right? stealing all the water. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I, I I do I, I have to say it is now. Um, after 2 a.m. your time, and uh, I do truly appreciate you taking the time out of your weekend to come on and have this talk with me and have this show. And, um, yeah, just thanks, 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 brother. I I just really appreciate it, and I had a great time, and I hope in the future all of us can have more of these just more politically-centric talks as this whole election cycle gets kicked off and moves forward. So do you have any thoughts, any last words you want to say to your audience and my audience? I'm just excited to be able to represent. What was that? I'm excited to be able to represent the, mm-hmm. the Midwest. Um, I'm definitely a progressive, um, So, but but I also am surrounded by a lot of conservatives. I, you know, mm-hmm. My dad's a Trumper. Um, so it just, you know, to be able to bump up against uh, people in the uh, left coast there, yeah. Well, do do yourself a favor. So, Instead of saying no. Midwest, you are you are Western East Coast. <laughs> I don't. Nobody really wants to claim Erie because we're just in, like we're almost in Ohio, but we're really you're like a hot mess. <laughs> yeah, no, but I, I know. To me, like the borderline, 
was Pennsylvania was East Coast. Ohio was the beginning of the Midwest. See, so we're, we got a little bit of both here. So uh, I guess we can hate both mm-hmm. coasts yep. equally. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, again, thank you for your time. Uh, look forward to getting to do more of this with you. And um, you're, you're welcome here anytime. Just usually we record like Tuesday nights, which is another work week, and it's really late for you. But um, we like making exceptions and doing Saturday things. So, you, you know, you and Brent and Dill, if he wants to, can come on. So uh, looking forward to more of this. I'm, we'd be excited to. I'm going to plug yes, please show. Do. So anybody wants to check out a little bit of local hilarity from Erie, Pennsylvania, uh, Idiotville podcast is uh, available on all of the things. And then we also have a blog where we hit on some national things, uh, some uh, – human interest things and then some shenanigans with mr uh, trump uh idiotvillepodcast.com so super excited to be here thank you for having me uppy and tell stash that he needs to get his shit together and be on next time all right yeah he needs to get his ass out of colorado and come back home um and i and i will plug myself with plugging yourself one of these days i will finish my piece i um, myself and mrs Eppy both are working on pieces for the idiotville podcast blog and one of these days i promise you we will get it finished and put it up. <laughs> so if no, you're, awesome. you're if you're an idiotville listener because of Steve, just know that you're going to get more of us. So, and we'll actually be infiltrating your city here come November. So we'll be I'm there spending our hard-earned money. You, you, yeah. you couldn't make it in for the Titans game. You know, we had that discussion. Uh, obviously, the, the, there were some pros and cons we weighed. The pros to going to the Titans game was the weather would be better. And the, f- the flight schedules were actually better for that game. But the cost per ticket sucked. And we were like, oh, well, if we go, it would be awesome to go with you, obviously. That was a huge thing on my mind was, well, we'll at least get to go with Steve Castle. Um, but do we really want to travel all that way for the longest weekend of our lives to be up in <laughs> the nosebleed seats? And then we consider then the other game that we did choose was in November for Buffalo and the flight schedule wasn't as, the flight schedules weren't as good for that one. Plus the weather was going to be crappier, um, at least by our standards, <laughs> it's going to suck. But we got like front row seats in the end zone for like the same price that you're going to pay for a nosebleed seat for a home opener. So we considered that a win and that's what we chose. And uh, right. actually Brent Liberty and Lady Liberty will be going to that game as well. Because uh, if, for those who might not know or didn't listen to our prediction show, uh, Lady Liberty is a Bills fan, so oh, they'll be in gonna, attendance. That's gonna be with an us. awesome time for you guys. Yeah. Um, I, I get it. Open opening opening day games are always like ridiculously mm. priced. Super hype, man! You're gonna have a good atmosphere, win or lose. I think it's gonna be just to actually get a chance to venture into First Energy Stadium with uh, to be amongst a fan base who's the most energized they've been since probably the. 1980s um I, I bet the emotion in the atmosphere is gonna be top notch even if you're there as a visiting fan but one thing one thing i did i, I did look ahead um i do believe the browns will be playing in nashville next season i i've yet to go see a game yeah. there so it's about time <laughs> get that look <laughs> with my buddy steve yes. castle yes just for a football game i'm not no, gonna spend my family. money there we'll, make a trip. <laughs> we'll, go, we'll go to memphis we'll go to graceland uh, well, it's football season. We got school time. and stuff. That, that's the hard part for us is, you know, school, pulling the kids out of school for stuff. 
But well, you can convince um, them that it's a a, uh, a learning trip when we go hmm. to Graceland, you know. So yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll teach them about why not to do drugs, right? Well, just le at least have somebody around so when you uh, <laughs> when you go take a poop, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. Well, uh, again, thank you, and uh, again it, uh, for our viewers who have somehow missed the NFL prediction show, 88vailpodcast.com, go on iTunes, uh, SoundCloud, whatever, search for 88vail. Um, you might not live in Erie, PA, but that's not relevant. You're going to hear four solid dudes just uh, trying to make a change in the local communities because, you know, we all kind of suffer from some form of local apathy. Um, we certainly have it here in Modesto where anything good we have going for us, we get rid of. And we just want to wallow in our misery, too. So you do represent a whole ton of communities, even if you are based in Erie. So thank you for what you do. And I actually look forward to every Monday at work That's listening get to your out show. Of time, but, hey, man, thank mm -hmm. you so much. It was great talking to you. It's time for right. bed. All right. Good night, brother. Good night, everybody.